T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. While many people were focused on the Senate committee hearings on Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court and the charges of sexual assault that dominated the recent days, a panel here in Illinois was out with a blueprint for reducing sexual harassment in political campaigns. But there may be lessons that go beyond the political realm. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. This past week, the Illinois Anti-Harassment, Equality, and Access Panel released a report and recommendations on combating sexual harassment in political parties and political campaigns. And I know what most of you are thinking, the what panel? Uh, Well, remember back when the Illinois Democratic Party and specifically the political and legislative bodies run by Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan were rocked by a series of sex harassment scandals? Well, the speaker created the AHEA panel to come up with solutions to what is a widespread problem. Three female elected officials lead the effort, and one of them joins me in the studio. Illinois State Senator Melinda Bush of Grays Lake has been in the legislature since 2013. She was on the Lake County board before that, and she was a Grays Lake Village trustee. She has been outspoken on issues of transparency and harassment. We're also joined by Dory McWhorter. She is the CEO of the YWCA of Metropolitan Chicago. It is a post she has held since 2013. She's an accountant by trade, and she's been very active in the area's business community. The YWCA is a 140-year-old social service group, and Ms. McWhorter's been bringing it into the 21st century with new programs, including uh, one designed to get more girls interested in science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM. But the uh, YWCA also works in areas of sexual harassment, and as I hear it, the uh, calls have been coming in in larger volumes. So Senator Bush and Dory McWhorter, welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. Well, um, Senator, let me start with you. This was a Democratic-led panel named by the head of the then- Democratic Party of Illinois, who was under fire at the time. Three original members, as I understand it, did not want this to look like a whitewash, right? Oh, absolutely. It's not a whitewash. So we are absolutely an independent panel. Immediately, we took steps uh, to create a panel that was independent, separate of any political party. Uh, The work has really been uh, bipartisan. We've traveled the state, uh, talked to women across the state of Illinois, Democrats, Republicans, libertarian women. This is a report that is for every political party. Uh, And we certainly expect that every political party is going to take it seriously and enact the uh, recommendations in the report. And I'm going to want to talk to you about that uh, that tour around the state in just a minute. But uh, Dory McWhorter, uh, you know, all this time, the uh, hashtag Me Too movement has been in full force. And the YWCA is uh, finding more women speaking up. What what has the Y been doing during this time? Well, the Y has been quite busy. The YWCA has been quite busy 
we're the largest provider of sexual violence support services in the state of Illinois. And so from a Me Too movement standpoint, while we recognize that the the time is absolutely now that women are using their voices, the reality of it is, is that we have been working on this issue for literally decades. We are 140 years old, and I would argue that specifically relative to this issue, we've been working on it for at least 50 years. Mm, uh, that that it seems as, you know, our consciousness of that movement and of those things seems to be younger than that. Absolutely. And that's that's why it's important what what Senator Bush is doing, because we've been, because we have been working on it for so long. Clearly, there needs to be different approaches to bring it not only into our, our current consciousness, but to actually create change. And so I think it's going to take movements like Me Too, the work that that Senator Bush has been doing with the panel, as well as what we're seeing across other sectors to really ensure that it's not just a consciousness moment, but it's actually going to create change. Senator Bush, the uh, Anti-Harassment, Equality, and Accents panel, and I'm not going to say that full name <laughs> too often during this A-H-E-A. program. A-H-E-A. Yeah, the A-H-E-A. <laughs> I have to get used to saying that, too. Yeah, we did, too. Uh, yeah, it went on a uh, six-city tour. What kind of things did you hear uh, on that tour? So what was interesting is, you know, what you would probably expect to happen did. Uh, women in every community uh, that we went to talked about sexual harassment, you know, how they were treated, uh, their feelings on uh, reporting, how things weren't taken seriously, uh, and uh, and frankly, that there just really wasn't a process for them. I think the thing that was the most interesting, certainly to me, other than some of the specific stories that were, frankly, horrendous, was that women didn't feel like they were being supported by local parties they didn't feel like they had the opportunities that they believed they should have to run for office, that there really wasn't an apparatus to support women. And frankly, you know, many of them would talk about good old boy networks, those kinds of things. But but frankly, there there really wasn't an attempt to support women and get more women to run for office. So ironically, or as we moved around, that became a really just a bigger and bigger issue that women were interested in finding a way to make sure that we have 50 percent of the elected representation, because we believe and so do the women that we talk to that real change is going to take place when there are more women at the table and more women in leadership positions. So I think that was the kind of common thread uh, throughout and the individual stories. Some of them uh, were frankly shocking and others were just similar. Were there any other surprise, other than the, the, the surprise about how many people felt left out by the political process, were there any other real surprises during that tour? Yeah, you know, the other one that just frankly was um, shocking for me. So we heard that all over the state, with the exception of Chicago. When we were in Chicago, those women didn't want to run for office. You know, these are women that were involved in politics, uh, that had worked on campaigns, saw themselves as advocates and, uh, you know, people that cared about what happened in the process. But frankly, what they've seen, uh, they wouldn't like to be out there like that. They, They were really talked quite a bit about how it's so difficult to be out there. You're attacked. Um, and frankly, they didn't want any part of it. So it's interesting in, in Chicago and I don't know if that's because it's maybe so much more competitive um, when people are running for office, but that's one that we didn't hear anywhere else. I I have a colleague who uh, one of my favorite quotes of his is that 
Chicago is the Vatican of politics. Uh, I mean, it is. It, it, it's. It's. This is politics played at its at its highest and most brutal level. So I can understand that. But we're going to come back to that thought. Yeah, about, that was so interesting. You know, because we we really need to come back to that because of one of your recommendations. But uh, Dory McWhorter, uh, what surprises have you seen as more people, more women have come forward? And you're having to deal with, you know, with even more counseling. Uh, is there anything that has surprised you? I don't know that I've been particularly surprised. What's been interesting is that as we sort of categorize these these um, traumatic experiences, as we talk about sexual violence, sexual harassment is on that spectrum of sexual assault and sexual violence. But it's almost, and we're seeing this and play out a lot in some of the discussion now, well, it wasn't this or it wasn't that. But we are very much, what's surprising to me is that people haven't recognized that this that there is a continuum on sexual violence and sexual harassment is absolutely a part of that. But somehow it hasn't been giving the same um, weight as as a criminal traumatic activity for folks as well. I, I, I mean, am I understanding that you're you're saying in some ways people accept a certain level? Absolutely. It's been, you know, from a sexual harassment standpoint, it gets it gets treated well, depending on the severity of it or what is which is fascinating to me that people have sort of projected their own severity, never thinking about um, what that experience is of the victim and how traumatizing that may be for something that they consider so so I hate to even say so light, but really diminishing the um, the trauma and the experience of the, the victim um, by saying it was just this or just that. Um, and not even giving it the importance that it has with someone who has experienced that type of behavior and really a trauma. Melinda Bush, I, I would think that that was a problem that the, that people in the political realm are encountering too, that that some of this is just, just I hate to say this, boys being boys, oh, yeah. which in, Absolutely. in many cases it is. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's a culture that has to change. I mean, it's in politics, certainly, and it's it's across you know, across the country and I'm sure across the world. Uh, my experience certainly are here in Illinois. But, yeah, it's a culture that has to change. Women have for years um, just kind of tolerated that behavior and figured it was it was going to happen, you know. And, and frankly, boys will be boys. And if you come forward, there's also a fear, you know, that if you do come forward, there will be retaliation. You won't be taken seriously. And, frankly, uh, you might no longer be in the position you're in. Um, yeah, so definitely, definitely. It's a culture. How how toxic is that culture? Uh, I mean, and, and I think we can address this from both the political and the uh, the real world. <laughs> I would say real world. Uh, but Craig, that's, a, that's such an interesting observation that you had because when we talk about sexual assault, we say one in four women. It's one in four women everywhere. So yes, one in four women that are op- actually operating in the political realm. It's one in four women in corporate America. It's one in four women in general society. It's one in four women, period. And so the fact is, is that when I'm looking at what AHEA is doing relative to the panel, it's important that this actually gets specifically addressed in the political realm. We're seeing movements across corporate America. We're seeing movements even in the Catholic Church. But somehow the political environment has not addressed this head on like I appreciate what you're doing with AHEA. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, part of the reason for that is, you know, imagine political campaigns. So a political campaign, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two months. Maybe someone announces that they're running for office and and they really only have a campaign that runs a month before they decide they're not running. You have people that are volunteering many times. They're not employees. So there is no HR department. There is no place to go. That's why this report is so important, because it's going to help to develop those policies that don't, frankly, exist in a political campaign structure. This goes really beyond law. And when I was reading the uh, the report, or as much of it as I could, <laughs> uh, one thing struck me, that this is a case where, on the one hand, women are being excluded from the boys' club, and on the other hand, the boys are trying to get too close. And you've got both of those things you know, sort of colliding that, that uh, how, how do you deal with the, those, those opposing forces? So look, there's always going to be attractions between men and women, men and men, women and women. What this is really about is just a level of respect, you know, and that, you know, there just have to be rules in place. I mean, look, I'm so grateful to all the women that came forward that talked to us because they really did inform the report this is about setting rules in place so that if something does happen, you know what to do. It's about creating an advisory board uh, to make sure that we are promoting and helping women get into campaigns, you know, and taking that seriously, getting them started at the kind of grassroots level at county boards and running for trustee positions so that when positions do become available, women are already kind of um, already on the bench, right? So they're already part of that that political team so that when someone's going to run for state rep or you're looking at someone to run for Congress, there are women that are already in that pipeline. And we think parties should be taking that seriously. But, you know, and the other thing is, so, you know, we talk about, we obviously had a president named Obama and uh, he had a one ask rule in his campaign. And we did the same thing in my campaigns. And it's pretty simple. If somebody asks you out and you, and someone says no, and that's a serious no, that's it. You don't ask again. So some of these are just kind of simple rules. But, you know, you're always going to see those things in campaigns. You're going to see it in life. I mean, obviously, there's there's attractions out there. But this is really about moving beyond that culture and treating each other equally. Dory? I, I absolutely agree with that. But what's fascinating to me is that, again, as because we're talking about these types of actions relative to the political environment, it's interesting. It's still a workplace. And we've seen that you mentioned that I have I'm an accountant by background. And so I've been involved in the nonprofit sector, specifically doing this work at the YWCA since 2013. But for me coming in and and obviously interacting more um, with politicians and the different environments, having spent 20 plus years in corporate America, I'm like, it's about time. Corporate America has had to address these issues very much head on. And we, of course, have laws that regulates that type of environment as well. But it should be absolutely the same type of standards that we're holding other sectors to should absolutely be the same political standards. I, I, I don't know if we're going to get into some of the specifics around the report. We, and, we are, okay. Well, because um, I was looking at some things and I'm like, well, of course, <laughs> about the, the but yeah. So absolutely. I think it's about time that we focus on this from a political perspective as well. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. And we're talking about sexual harassment in politics and the real world, so to speak. My guests are Grays Lake State Senator Melinda Bush and Dory McWhorter, the CEO of the YWCA of Metropolitan Chicago. And let us talk 
about some of those proposals. Um, some of the uh, recommendations are strictly uh, campaign related, and you talked about the, the the problems facing and and the different things because of the time limit. It's kind of a pressure cooker atmosphere uh, facing uh, facing women, but um, establishing clear policies. How how do you come up with a and you have come up with a set of policies? can apply, that can be general enough to apply to everyone, but can also handle the very specific problems that come up both in politics and in the workplace. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you looked at part of the report, but first of all, I mean, I'll just go through a a few of the recommendations. Mm -hmm. So clear and non-negotiable policies. Uh, We want anti-harassment training uh, for everyone that's involved in a campaign. We also believe that parties should look at funding and resources to campaigns. And if you're not meeting these policy criteria, then your funding is held back. That will certainly um, get someone's attention. Uh, We want to make sure that there's a a way to report misconduct within a campaign structure. If something happens, you know where to go and you know what the rules are when that happens. Uh, We want to establish an independent body that will receive and investigate those complaints. And, you know, we also want to prohibit retaliation uh, from from anyone that has been, who has reported. And rules about consensual romance, as I I said earlier, no means no. Uh, You don't continue after somebody says no to you. I mean, and and I will point out that I, that you guys took that one step further because you said, yeah, when it's a solid no, but you also took into account when it's, uh, you know, an I'll talk to you later or not. Absolutely. That, because that look, he, let's a wishy-washy no is still a no. It is. A no is a no. It do, we don't want that in the campaign environment. You know, if you choose to continue a relationship with that person afterwards, then you can certainly do that, but not in the campaign environment. You know, no means no. One time, that's it. We want to see a, a manager, a diversity manager hired. Every state party we think should do that. So we're looking at how we get more women to run, how we get women of color, how we get more, excuse me, members of the LGBT community. We really believe that our representation is going to be best when it looks like our population. So we want to see those things. Uh, We also want to make sure that women are trained, that they're developed, you know, that we're helping develop that talent pool. It's not done now. You know, it's been a I hate to say boys club because I think things really have changed quite a bit. But for years, politics was really a good old boys network. You know, guys knew guys. They ran for office and and that's how it happened. I think we have to, as parties, we have to do this with intent. We should be looking for and supporting women um, and making sure that they are running for office. And when they do run for office, that they get the support that they need from uh, the political parties. Go ahead, Dory. I I. I'm thrilled with these recommendations. And again, my point of reference is always corporate America because that's where I spend so much of my time. But one of my favorite recommendations out of this is to tie the party funding and resources to the campaigns that are adapting policies and participating in these trainings. To me, that's capital. In the workforce, in the in the corporate in corporate America, we look at these things as having capital to and investors um, that invest in our work. Campaign funders are investing in these campaigns. And so to me, tying that capital to finance these campaigns is absolutely part of that equation. And so I was very thrilled when I saw that that was one of the recommendations because these are investors as well. Absolutely. So let me bring up something that happened this past week. Uh, And that is that we 
caught up with a Democratic candidate for governor, uh, J.B. Pritzker, while he was uh, or after he voted in early voting. And he was very specifically asked if he supported the recommendation that campaign funding be tied to accepting the model. model. You have a model uh, policy for sexual harassment as part of this report. And he stopped short of endorsing that. He said he endorsed the recommendations. He 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 said, I we we agree with doing uh, that's how our campaign is. We do all of these things. We do all that training uh, and we believe that training is important. And he was asked to get. Yeah. But what about cutting off funds to any campaign that doesn't agree? And he said, I'm not the party. Uh, so there again, and I'm not casting any aspersions. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think he's being cautious. Yeah, sure. But you're talking to a bunch of men about this. Senator, how are you going to get, how quickly do you have to strike while this issue is hot before it goes back to the old entrenchment? Well, I got to tell you, I know this is the first time we've met. I believe you've met some other members of this panel yes. before. <laughs> um, and I believe that you have certainly met this uh, wonderful woman sitting next to me here. Well, we're not backing off. I can guarantee you that. This is not a, a, a report that needs to stay on the shelf. This is a report that we plan on continuing to move out there. You know, and I think that women are also going to drive this. Frankly, are you going to want to run with a party that doesn't support these things? Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green, whatever that is. Do you really believe that women are going to want to be working with a party that doesn't support change when it comes to this important cultural issue. And I've got to tell you, JB, if you're listening, you need to go back and take a look at the report. You may not be the chairman of the Democratic Party, but you, you know, certainly uh, want to be our governor. And uh, and I can tell you, I think it's really important that candidates know that if they don't adhere to the policies that are put out by a party, if they don't do, you know, uh, the uh, the training and, you know, and buy into these really important recommendations, then funding should be cut from them, period. Uh, electing more women, uh, I, that gets me to a topic we were talking about before we went on the air. If people look at what they look at, the hearings that were going on in Washington, they... There are a lot of people who will look at that and turn away and say, why would I want to be a part of politics? The, the problems that we are talking about now, as you said, Dory, they've been, you've been working on these problems. I mean, the, the YWCA has been working on these problems for 50 years, and they're still there. People, why should they be attracted to the political world? And, I think... I think it clearly isn't for everyone, but I also think for those that are, are interested that we should absolutely create processes and, and have the support systems in place so that they can have an equal opportunity and access to be able to run effective campaigns. And we already know that. Um, but again, I think about representation is mattering 
in every single sector and our political environment should be no different. So just like we've seen it with women in leadership that's happening from a corporate America push, we need to have this deliberate push to get more women into politics because this is a very important segment of our marketplace. And it's been happening. These movements have been happening across the board in every other sector. It's time for a very deliberate political um, effort to move women into politics. And I think that there are definitely women out there. I just think we have to find them. And when we find them, we support them and give them the access that they need to to be able to run great elections or great campaigns. Melinda Bush, you you are not scared away from politics. uh, But what lessons are being taught to women by what's happened in Washington? I got to tell you, I think there's a perfect storm out there. Um, It started um, when we elected um, our current president. Um, He made some pretty foul remarks um, as they apply to women. And uh, you can see what's happened since then. Uh, Women have taken to the streets um, in marches. Uh, They have come out in numbers that we've never seen before. We have more women that are running for office right now um, across the United States than ever before. And, you know, there's a hashtag we are woke, uh, I think that really does apply to what's going on. And I believe that we're at a time in our history, women aren't going to turn back. We've seen what's happened. We've seen how these cultural changes bubble up for a little bit and then it stops. I don't think we're stopping. I can tell you I'm not stopping. I'm investing as much time and energy in as I have in getting other women to run for office. You know, and when they get there, I want people that are more concerned about good policy than good politics. And I think that's that's going to be key to why this movement, I believe, is going to change our politics. Because when women run for office, I believe they're more concerned today about moving good policy forward. And I'm going to do everything that I can to continue to support that. And I also believe that the media is playing a very, very important role because of the way that you're talking about these issues and that you have us on today. And it, look, the media, you have a huge responsibility. And I, and I appreciate that you're helping us get the message out. Well, thank you for that. But I want to hear from each of you briefly. We only have a couple of minutes left on one other question, because if nothing else, what this week has taught us is that when women do come forward and have the courage to come forward, they are still doubted, they are still prosecuted, <laughs> as if they aren't weren't the victim, but the but the 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 perpetrator. Does that? What does that do? And and how do you combat that so that women aren't still afraid to come forward? I think you're absolutely right in that observation. However, I do think that this is a different point in time. I think that that women are going to be part of this effort of this effort to create change very deliberately. Me too is a hashtag. It is a movement. And I think part of that is is being able to see that it hasn't changed. And what has been presented to, to us shows us why these movements matter. And so I think actually it's going to emblazon more women to start doing what we need to do. Absolutely, there are going to be more that are traumatized. And that's what the YWCA is here to do is support those women. But at the same time, 
it's emblazoned us to create more change. Melinda. Yeah, yesterday we saw a woman come forward and uh, and tell her story. Um, and I would uh, say thank you to Senator uh, Durbin, who asked the question. And she said she, her memories were 100% clear. Uh, he also asked uh, uh, Judge Kavanaugh um, if he would um, submit himself to an FBI investigation. He never answered the question. It's really what should occur before anything moves forward, but I don't think that's going to happen. Honestly, I looked at Facebook yesterday, Twitter. What I saw were women posting their stories, which was amazing to me. You know, literally going through the list of all the things that happened to them through the years. I think this is a cultural shift that's going on, and I am so excited to be part of it. I'm a woman in my 60s, and I've been waiting a long time. And uh, I believe that this next generation of men and women want to see change. And I'm just really excited to see what's going to come from women that are getting involved today. Thank you. That is State Senator Melinda Bush from Grays Lake. Also, thank you, Dory McWhorter of the uh, YWCA of Metro Chicago. Gonna thank have you to so have much. You guys both back sometime. Thank you so much, really. Soon. Thank you. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue. I'm pretty sure it's going to be on mayoral politics, <laughs> uh, even though the governor's race is still to come. And I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 